Hi, you are listening or watching the Mito podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Megan. And we are going to talk to you guys about the hospital. Um, it can be really hard to plan and prepare for what you need um, for when you, um, I guess that's a, not the best way to start the podcast. Um, it's a lot times when you have mitochondrial disease, it's inevitable, inevitable that you will end up in the hospital at, at some point. Um, it might be a day, it might be a couple hours. I mean, this, I mean, it's the case for, for most children. I mean, you fall, you hurt, you break your leg, break an arm, something like that. So it's not that it's abnormal to go to the hospital. It's just more likely if you have a mitochondrial disease, you will end up in, in the hospital at some point. Um, and I felt like this would be a good podcast because there were so many things that were going on when Angie was in the hospital, um, that I just want to make sure that people are aware, um, of the different resources that are available to you. And some of them sound scary at first, uh, especially if you've never been in the hospital with your child, um, and, they sound scary, but they, they aren't, they're there to help you. And so, um, a couple, a couple of things I know, Megan, you, we were talking prior to the podcast and thankfully Troy, he's, he's going to be 13 very soon in what a week, two weeks. Um, <laughs> so a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, so he, so he's going to be 13 and, um, he fortunately has only had one hospital stay, right? Two, he's had two. Oh, okay. What was the, I know one you said was a week. What was the other one? Yeah, so he had RSV, which is a respiratory virus. Um, and he started having seizures with a high fever. So he ended up in the hospital with that. Um, and then he fractured his jaw in two places um, and ended up having to have a metal plate put in his jaw. Um, oh. That was the second one. Um, oh, and you know what? I forgot too. Uh, the most recent, which I say that, but it's been a few years. He had the flu when we were in the hospital for a week. So he's had oh. three hospital stays. Poor guy. I didn't know he had to have a, a metal plate put in. Yeah. Yeah. He was riding one of those little push cars. And of course he had a helmet on, but he doesn't have a fall reflex. And I was chasing right after him, right next to him. And the little push car hit like an uneven space in the sidewalk and he just right down into the cement with his chin and we didn't know it was broken it was a little swollen but he was didn't cry he was fine and then just I think it was two days later he just cried like could not stop and Troy's he doesn't really cry that much at all if ever and uh, we took him immediately. I took him into the pediatrician and he's like, oh, he seems fine and took x-rays and he had fractured it in two different spots. And so we immediately had to go to children's and met with um, the doctor there, the surgeon, and he had to go into surgery. And then we were there for about a week. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. Yeah. Like even thinking about it, I, sometimes we drive past where it happened and it just makes me so sick to my stomach. And I have to remind myself, he's okay. That was scary and it happened, but he's okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's scary. I, yeah. that's crazy. I didn't know that. 
Um, but for RSV and, and obviously seizures too, or the flu, those are all very common reasons why Mito kids end up in the hospital. Um, for Angie, obviously it was our only stay in the hospital. It was three weeks. Um, she wasn't sick. She didn't, they couldn't find anything actually wrong with her to cause her to, to be there. So she might've had like a, a very, very minor cold that her body just couldn't do anything with. Um, but one thing I thought about, and I say this specifically for kids who have Lee syndrome and there, there are obviously kids, um, that have lived longer lives than Angie. But when we first Googled it, it said, um, most kids only live to be two to three years old. And so one thing that I felt would have been good for us, um, with that diagnosis or prognosis, um, was to have like a go bag, um, with simple things like a Bluetooth radio or toothbrushes, uh, toothpaste, um, even like a, a gift card for a Visa gift card or something like that. Um, underwear, <laughs> um, socks, those kinds of things, because Advil, especially, or maybe not ibuprofen, some sort of like headache pain reliever, because the hospital can't give that stuff to you. Um, so there's all these like tiny little things that I wish I had had, even, even in like a bag that you go to travel with, like when you go on a plane or something like that already packed up and put in her room so that we would have had that. I mean, we obviously like, it didn't take long to, to get all that stuff, but we would have been better prepared had we had that go bag. Um, and when you have any child that has a medical issues, um, I feel like that's something that would be really important to, to have. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. How do you, what do you think? Do you think that's like well, a. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. I never obviously thought about that either. Um, but you know, we have like Troy's emergency letter. And one of the things I have too is a list of his medications. Um, and that's one of the things that we found is just every time we've been in the hospital, um, some of the stuff that he actually takes, they don't have, or it takes a while to get it. Um, and so like, it's really important if your child, which kids with Mito have a lot of different things that they take and just, you know, to have those things with you. I mean, that's obviously if it's an emergency, that may not be something that you grab, but if it isn't, you know, those are good things to have with you. Not to mention if you forget you know, what milligrams they take and it's, you know, a different hospital that doesn't have your information or anything like that. Um, their medication. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I never thought about that. And then every time we got there, they wouldn't have like the CoQ10 that we use and, you know, certain stuff. And we'd have to have somebody go to our home and get it. And some of the stuff they actually won't let you, um, they have to have approval for it. So it's, it's a very interesting thing, but just to have your medications with you is important. But yeah, having a to-go bag somewhere in case, you know, something happens because I mean, you're usually running out the door. Um, I mean, Troy's been taking, 
well, except for one time, he's been taken to the hospital both of those times in a, in an ambulance. And so, you know, you're going in what you have and, you yeah. know, you have no idea what's going to happen, how long you're going to be there. And just to have that bag that you could just grab and go and have little things like that and eat or like snacks or, you know, anything for you that is going to make a situation like that a little bit more comfortable and have things that you might need. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. And also to um, comment on what you said, the, the emergency letter, I know we've talked about that in, in another podcast, but um, if you have, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one yet, no. <laughs> um, it, it, an emergency letter is something that you get from your mito doctor and it tells uh, an emergency staff what to expect from your child that they should not be treated the same as a neurotypical child. Um, so if you do not have one, get one. It's fairly easy to get one. Um, if, if your doctor doesn't do that, find a doctor or find a patient, a parent that has one, take theirs, give it to your doctor and say, you are going to write this out for me. You will sign this for me. Um, they, I highly doubt any real Mito doctor would ever say no, um, because it's extremely important to have that. And then also what you said, Megan, about the medications list, that's another really good thing to have in that go back because for both reasons, because you're in such a hurry and, and you're talking to so many people, especially if it's an emergency, um, and, having extra copies of that forever, but I would, I would potentially, I, I would have five different copies of both the emergency letter and all the medications, because there was, I can't even tell you how many times we had to repeat our story. And each time we had to say, pull up our letter, pull up our letter. Half the time they couldn't find it. The other half the time it wasn't in the file. Um, so that way you always have it. You're prepared there, they cannot have an excuse for doing something wrong. Um, and there are a lot of things that they could do, uh, incorrectly because your child is different. Your child is special. Um, and they should be treated that way, especially in, in the, I mean, I know we always want our child to be treated the same. We want all the same rights. We do not <laughs> to the hospital, <laughs> throw that out. Your child is special. They need special care. Mm-hmm. Um, so figure out whatever. I, I think the, the good thing about a go back too is you have to think back about when you were pregnant. What did you want to bring with you when you were going to deliver the baby? Bring those items. Because, I mean, obviously you won't need like breast pads or anything like that, but um, bring those items that you're going to need. And it's not something that you will need for a week. You can pack for one night or two nights. Just have something because it's going to take one or two nights um, to get situated and, and have a room in the hospital. A lot of times, I mean, we had to wait, gosh, we got there at like seven o'clock at night and we weren't admitted until after midnight. And then they took her up at like three in the morning. Um, and then we just kept changing floors. We did, we were, and then we were in the ICU 12 hours later. So, um, definitely a go back, definitely the letter, definitely your, your medications list. And I would also, not to tell you how you should run your household, but have your medications all in one spot. Like, ha- like in our house, we had a um, section of the kitchen. It was on the on the counter 
that was Angie's section. And she had all her medications there, all her syringes, everything was right there. I even, I mean, everything was written on the bottles. I took pictures of everything just to make sure that I would never forget what it was. And Megan is right. The hospital might not have what you need because they are supplements many times. I mean, yes, they'll have like Keppra and things for um, seizures and that kind of stuff. But when you're coming into B vitamins or vitamin E, those types of things they do not have. So you are going to need to get that your own stash and bring it with you. So it might be a good idea to be prepared. And I know it's hard because it costs a lot of money, but have an extra month supply also just for disasters, right? Like any, like right now with the weather and how crazy it is in Texas, you not being able to get those supplies, FedEx not being able to get to UPS, the postage, like all mail can't get to you. So how are you going to get these supplements or medications So make sure that in any emergency pack, even if it's not to go to the hospital, you have an external supply of things because you're going to need it. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that. I just, uh, on Facebook, one of our Mito moms just posted, um, a lot of us get our CoQ10 from a place called Epic that's in New York and just ordered four bottles and like half of them were completely ruined, um, which the company is great and they were completely sending new and refunding, but I literally just received mine for Troy like two weeks ago. And I was like, oh gosh, good thing I, you know, we didn't run out and we ordered sooner. And, um, but yeah, you just def- definitely stuff like that. You need to have backup. And it was funny that we were saying how you have a little Angie's area. We totally do. We have a basket that has everything for Troy's in it and everything that he needs. And then uh, Tony took pictures of all the medications, how much he takes, and it's posted on a refrigerator. If, you know, for some reason, you know, a family member was here or something and had to do it and forgot what it was. It's, you know, it's just those little things that just make life easier. And all our bottles, because we have, we have his seizure medicine and his level carnitine comes in the same exact bottle. And so we've got like Superman duct tape around the seizure medicine. It says seizures everywhere because I mean, we all make mistakes and that's just stuff you don't want to make a mistake with. So if you're tired, just having that, there's, I mean, I, I don't remember ever, I don't know, there's been maybe a couple of times where I'd measure stuff out. I'm looking at it like, oh my gosh, because <laughs> you make this one cocktail, especially if you're G-tube, if you're feeding them through the G-tube, you have just a bottle that you just mix full of, I don't know, 10 different medications that you're about to give her. And it'd be hard, like you, it's hard to remember things. So definitely mark them however you need to mark them to, to know which ones are which. Yeah. <laughs> but other things uh, specifically to the hospital, um, I was recently talking to a mom um, who is in the hospital right now with, with her son. And um, it just reminded me of all the things. And, and I, she was, she's very prepared. She knows about all of these things, but it was things that I didn't know. And I didn't, at the time, I wasn't super close with all of the Mito families here. We were brand new. We just found out a year ago and I'm it was still finding like, that Mito group and um, we'd all met and we'd, we'd been around each other a few times, but it wasn't to the point of having like 
full conversations about our kids or what to do, what to expect. We weren't like that close yet. So there was just a lot of things that I, that we weren't prepared for. We didn't know that we didn't know. Um, and maybe like even in our own little Mido community, there's a lot of things that each of us individually don't know until you experience it. But one of the main things um, is, so here in San Diego, we have the Ronald McDonald House at Rady's Children's and it's right across the street. You literally just walk across the street and, and there it is. Um, if you are staying in the hospital for a long period of time, the Ronald McDonald House, you can apply to be able to move in there um, for however your child is in the hospital. Um, there are obviously qualifications. Um, there is an application that you have to fill out. Um, but regardless of you thinking you need it or not, fill out the application just so that you have it ready. You could give up the room, which is what we did. We didn't feel right about taking a room since we live so close. Um, we're only about 30 minutes from the hospital and there's other families that were being life lighted in. And like there was a helicopter almost every single night that we could hear and it was a horrible RSV season. And so we didn't want to take from another family that, that really needed it. But um, there is the application. You can live at the hospital, have a bed. Um, I slept in two chairs that I pushed together um, and people, <laughs> I'm just lucky I'm short. Like it wasn't that bad, <laughs> um, but I wasn't really sleeping that much anyways. Um, and so you have blankets and pillows, the, the hospital has all that stuff for you. The, the Ronald McDonald house will provide you meals. You just need a wristband um, so that they know that you are a family that is at the hospital. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't afford food. That has nothing to do with it. It gives you the opportunity to not leave your child, to, to not have to go somewhere or get stuck in traffic or be off the premises. Cause there was no way that I was leaving that hospital. Like if I was not within a running sprint distance to Angie, I wasn't going to go anywhere. It wasn't until our, um, last three nights that I caught something from another patient and I got really sick. And so I, I had to choose to leave because I didn't want Angie to catch it. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, which was like the hardest, probably the hardest thing I ever had to do. I never, ever wanted to leave her. And I like <laughs> knew all the nurses by that point and they were all telling me, it's okay, we got her, just go home. Um, but it, it's a horrible feeling to know that you have to leave your child there. Um, oh, sorry, but the Ronald McDonald House is there for you to help you eat. You need nutrition. You need to put food in your body. You need to keep hydrated. As much as it sucks, you don't feel like eating. You don't feel hungry. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You need to. You need to keep your energy up for your child. Um, and 
if you're breastfeeding, they can provide you a pump so that you can continue to breastfeed. They will give your child the breast milk. You just have to fight for it. Um, I didn't know that. And so they tried to pull Angie off of breast milk until we got this nurse. She was amazing. She always called Angie Princessa. <laughs> and um, she saw me pumping and she's like, I don't want to, what are you doing? Why are we not feeding her your milk? I'm like, they won't let me. And she's like, no, 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 that's not okay. And she went straight up to the doctors and she's like, this is ridiculous. You're giving, you're giving Princessa her, her mama's milk. Um, so they changed the whole plan based off of that. So Angie was getting uh, half formula, half breast milk from that point on. <clears throat> so you have those resources, but you also, if you're breastfeeding, the hospital gives you coupons to be able to have free food there. So you, even if you don't want to go to the Ronald McDonald's house, if you don't want to leave the room, they will provide you food and water and smoothies and everything that they can to keep your breast milk going. Um, and it is hard. The, I, when I walked in with Angie, she, I was, I don't even remember how much I was pumping or not pumping, but feeding her. Cause she would just take it from the tap. <laughs> um, but, uh, by the next day from when we entered the hospital, my breast milk had gone down by half because she wasn't there to give my body what it needed to respond. And so, um, just know that those resources are there. You can get a breast pump. You, you can give your child breast milk. Um, you can get food and water and all of that's provided to you and you can receive mail. We got mail every single day. The carriers knew exactly who we were. So we had boxes and boxes and envelopes of just mail from all over the US of people sending Angie stuff to decorate her room and, and do that. Decorate your room. You can't usually put adhesive on the walls, but you can hang stuff if you have pins, if they let you or buy those clips. So that you, I brought her curtains in from home so that if she woke up that she wouldn't see a hospital, she would see her bedroom and you can do those things and you should, you should have that touch. Cause if you're going to be there a while, make it homey, make it beautiful. Cause there's no point in, in staying in a hospital room um, to feel miserable. You need to, you need to cheer yourself up as, as well as your child and the nursing staff. They loved it. They would, they would walk into Angie's room and just stand there and like, we just, we just heard that her room was decorated. So we wanted, we wanted to come check it out. <laughs> um, but those are all options. And, and the main one, I'm sorry, I keep hogging the podcast today. Totally fine. <laughs> um, the main one, if, if you, if you don't take any of my advice that I've given so far, um, the hardest one was for, for me, I can't speak for Andrew was, uh, palliative care. Um, it scared me because it, it, to me meant that my child was going to die. And that was the last resort. That was, that was hospice. That was the, the thing that, um, we were accepting she wasn't going to make it. And that's not the case. Um, and maybe other people understood, understood this. I, I'd never been in, 
any type of situation like this, but they're not, they're there to help you. They're there to be the mediator between you and the doctor. And usually it's another doctor um, who uh, doesn't necessarily, they, they see patients, but they don't see them in the same aspect as, as the emergency room. Um, so it's usually a, a doctor and a, um, a person of God, um, if it's a pastor or not usually a priest, I don't think, but in some sense that that head of, of religion, I don't know if I'm saying any of that correctly. So sorry if I offend anybody, uh, but they work together. And, and the point for them is to be the mediator and to be able to explain things in um, so sorry, both of my dogs are staring at me through the kitchen window and the window is up here. <laughs> um, but they're there to explain things to you at a level for you to be able to understand better. They, they're supposed to be able to talk to you, not in doctor terms. They're supposed to talk to you like a real person, not that doctors are not real people, but there's on that level. And that way they have someone to talk to the doctor that's helping your child on their level so they can talk to both of you. Um, and we, we definitely use them. Like we, there was a few times where we had to call them because we didn't feel things were being communicated correctly. And, um, and it helped a lot. Um, and, and we were right. Things were not being communicated correctly. Not that anyone was, messing up, but we had to be 100% on the same page with the whole staff about Angie's care. Um, and they needed to completely understand where we were coming from when it, in regards to how, I don't know how to say that eloquently, but, um, how we wanted her life to be, um, so it's, it's just important. They're just really important things. And, and don't be scared to talk to them, even if it's just one time that they will also talk to you about other things like Reiki and um, uh, massage and um, healing, and they'll pray for you. And they do all of these things that I think, well, I, I didn't, I don't even know. I think actually it was one of the nurses that talked to us and said, that we should talk to them. And I'm, I'm very thankful that they told us to, because I wouldn't have if, if that nurse hadn't been so nice, which is another thing we, we totally spoiled everybody at the hospital. And I know not everyone has that ability to, but we knew we were going to be there for a while. And if it meant that we had to bribe whoever we needed to, we were going to do it. Exactly. So we brought coffee and cookies and cupcakes and sandwiches and and you do not have to do any of this, but, but it made a difference in, in them knowing who we were mm -hmm. and knowing what we were going to do for, for Angie. And that was the most important thing. And our nurses ended up showing up um, to Angie's funeral and they all went to the Mito 5k to represent her. And they, became this family that we unfortunately don't get to see anymore, but they were amazing to us. So 
not every nurse is going to be amazing, but, but when you find one, please hold on to them and tell them how amazing they are because it makes a huge difference in your life and in your child's life and care. Absolutely. And like you were talking about with the palliative care, I honestly, I think I learned about that at a UMDF symposium because I too thought that's the end of life. That's, you know, what comes in when your child or, you know, loved one is passing away. Um, so it's, it's very interesting to hear that, no, that's not, that's not necessarily the case. And they do so many different things and, you know, having a go between, between you and the doctors um, is extremely helpful. And like you said, those, that nursing staff, they're the ones you're seeing for eight, 10 hours straight. They're the ones that are coming in doing everything for your child. And, um, and most of the interactions we've had have been amazing, especially, I mean, you've got to think about the type of person that goes in to be a pediatric nurse and some of the things that they see and, you know, they have to be caring and loving people and patient. And um, so it's, you know, yeah, if you can definitely spoil them. Um, we love one of the nurses that we met through you that was Angie's nurse at Dr. Butler. And now she helps us and she's just amazing. And it's just, can make your life easier in so many different ways. You just have no idea. She's not there anymore. No. Oh no. <laughs> she's oh, at Rady's now. In a long time, which I'm thankful for, but no. Yeah, no, she's at Rady's now. And you're right. She's absolutely amazing. Um, she fought tooth and nail for everything for us. Um, calling insurance, calling, um, sorry, the light is really bugging me. <laughs> um, <laughs> calling insurance, fighting for supplements, fighting doctors. We had, we had a really rough time in the very beginning, um, with, with, uh, Angie. Um, and, um, she was just ahead and set, but yeah, she's over at Radies now. Um, she's doing, uh, allergies testings. Um, so, um, which is, which is cool. I think she just, she needed a little bit of change and now she's doing something um, uh, different and still working with kids. And um, she even talked about uh, Mido in her interview, um, which is really cool. Um, and I don't know how much I can share, so I'll just leave it right there. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, she, she, she was an awesome nurse. Yeah, um, anytime I sent in a message or there was anything going on with Troy, she would immediately call us. And we had just met her through you. It's like, she just, you know, she loved Angie and she, we, she just accepted us in the same and started fighting for us too. And so it was just, yeah, she's and that's the thing about Mido families, at least with what I've experienced is that you just, it's a unique, I, I, I guess I can only speak for, our families out here because I well I can't say that because I've I've met so many amazing people but um you just end up being family like you you meet people that you know you're never gonna let go of um and I just feel so fortunate not fortunate that obviously that Angie's gone or that she ever had this disease but I'm very fortunate that the people that I've met along the way um and I love seeing everyone's kids grow up and I love getting the text messages from people sporadically just sending me pictures of their kids and, and it just makes me feel special especially with Angie gone yeah 
And I can definitely say, I mean, even the, all the parents that we've had on this podcast and it's just, you know, I, it, well, having a child that you have to fight for and go through this journey with makes, makes you a different and a very special person. And, you know, you just feel the love, you feel the, just the strength and the, I don't know. I, I totally agree with you. Um, you're in touch, I think, with a lot more families than I actually am. But like I said, even just the ones on the podcast, every time we're done, I'm like, oh my gosh, they were so amazing or she was so amazing. And, you know, it's just, I don't know, our community is awesome. And it's unfortunate that, you know, we're brought together by a disease, but, you know, it's still, it's a, an amazing experience. And so many people are you know, battling this and they're still just these amazing, positive people fighting yeah. for their kids or for themselves. So, yeah. um, and I wanted to do, um, a shout out. There's been a couple families that have reached out to me lately. And, and I know I mentioned one earlier in this podcast. Um, and I just, and that's also kind of what inspired talking about the hospital. I'm not quite in a place where I can talk about um, being the mom of, of a child that's gone. Someday we will, <laughs> because I know it's a big disservice to all the families that are fighting to remember their child. But at the same time, it's really hard to be that spokesperson, even though we so badly need it. Because I think um, when it comes to losing your child, it's all you do is you just you're just constantly fighting to remember them, and you want like other mito foundations to remember them, and you want to join in on surveys and, and trials and all these things and you can't, you have nothing else to, to give them because that's not what they want. They want living children. And it's, it's very hard to be um, on the side of that. Um, oh, this is definitely not where I wanted this podcast to go. <laughs> it's okay. We, we are always flexible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you need to stop right there and, and talk about that another day. My point of where I, I wanted to say is I wanted to give a shout out to a family and I hope that they know who I am talking about. Um, I didn't ask them for permission, so I don't want to say their names, um, but they recently reached out to me and um, their son is, is fighting. And I just want you to know that I know it doesn't help to hear that we're thinking about you or that we're praying, but we are. And at the end of the day, if that's the only thing that you can do, 100% of your body do it. And despite how my story ended, I continue to pray for miracles for everybody else's kids. So everybody that's listening, I appreciate all of you for 
listening to our podcast, for making it important, for for sharing it, for finding it, and especially for reaching out to us. I know that there are a couple of different Mido podcasts now, (laughs) which is exciting. And I'm, I'm glad that that's something that is finally, finally starting to expand. But, um, Thank you for finding us because I know eventually it's probably going to be hard. Hopefully it'll be hard because that just means that there's going to be so many out there and so many resources for you. But um, just know we appreciate you and continue to reach out. And and we're thinking about you, even if we don't know you, knowing that you are a Mito family, anyone who has been diagnosed, we care and and. We'll do everything we possibly can to continue to fight for your child and for you. Um, And we love you. (laughs) Even if we haven't met you, we love you. And if you need help, if you need to talk or you need to cry, we're here. Um, I obviously can't (laughs) tell you, Meg, call Megan. (laughs) I can volunteer you. (laughs) Also ambassadors, and that's what we're here for, for the UMDF, so. Yeah. So, so reach out. Um, we want you to, um, even if it's hard. And, and I understand um, many people don't realize that Angie's gone sometimes. Um, but even if my, even if we, um, no, I'm just gonna leave it right there. <laughs> so thank you everyone for listening. I'm sorry this podcast was so long. I, I thought it was gonna be short, and I just kept going. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, contact us at myidopodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram uh, and you can watch me cry on YouTube. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Everyone have a great night <laughs> or day whenever you're watching. <laughs>